going to go back to the book of Job, Job chapter 22 tonight, the book of Job chapter number 22, <clears throat> the book of Job. If you have a hard time finding that, just go to Psalms, take a left. It's right there. Boy, sure, I'm glad we still have church on Wednesday night, aren't you? Man, I need it. I need it. I need to be around God's people. I'm very thankful, very, very thankful for it. Well, here we are in the book of Job. We made it uh, past halfway through, believe it or not. We're still in the same year, isn't it amazing? Absolutely. I think God has a, uh, I think God has a lesson for us tonight. <clears throat> I've said it before so many times, you've been around, you heard me say it. Becoming a Christian was the easiest thing I ever did because all I had to do was repent, turn my heart to God, and trust Christ as my Savior. He saved me just like that. I mean, it was, it was so simple, truly so simple. Being the Christian that God would want me to be, being Christ-like, being conformed to the image of the Son of God, probably one of the hardest things I've ever tried to do. But God's always there for me, and He continues to work on us and try to get us to that place He wants us to be. And I've said many times also, it's, it's, a, lot easier it is to, it's a lot easier to clean up the outside than it is to clean up the inside because we have to let God do the work on the inside. And we can look like we're doing okay on the outside when we're not really all we need to be on the inside. And what I've seen as going through this book, Brother John, is that it's worked a lot on the inside of how we're supposed to be. And I think that's a lesson that God has for us even tonight. Job 22, verse number 1, Then Eliphaz, the Temanite, answered and said, Can a man be profitable unto God, as he that is wise may be profitable unto himself? Is it any pleasure to the Almighty that thou art righteous? Or is it gain to him that makest thy ways perfect? Will he reprove thee for fear of thee? Will he enter with thee into judgment? Is not thy wickedness great? And thine iniquities infinite? Now leave your Bible open there because we're going to go on through. And uh, if you're taking notes tonight, the title might be more than your fingers can do. I tried to whittle it down. This is what I got. Truth is truth even when misapplied. But misapplied truth can hurt more than it helps. Truth is truth, even when it's misapplied. But misapplied truth can hurt more than it helps. And hopefully I can make some sense of that before we get to the end of the message tonight. Let's pray. We'll get on into it. Father, we do thank you for the folks that are out tonight. We're thankful for the faithfulness of the people of Riverside Baptist Church. I'm thankful for the faithfulness of those that are 
still homebound and that they're taking in the service tonight by live stream. And I pray you'd bless them, Lord, for being a part of this service tonight. And then, God, we just ask that you would arrest our attention by your precious Holy Spirit, that we wouldn't be doing this out of duty, but we're here because we do want something from you. And for that to happen, you're going to have to illuminate your word and you're going to have to empower this preacher and you're going to have to meet with us because just words off of a page mean, well, not a whole lot unless you're behind it all. So Father, we pray for that unction that comes from you. Help us, uh, Lord, to preach this message with power. We pray and thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you very much for standing <clears throat> for so long and... and uh, Please be seated. We were told over and over again, excuse me, in Bible college, that you can't take the, uh, you can't take the gospel to the wrong door. And that's a fact. It really is a fact. Because if you go to a door... Uh, of someone that's already saved, then you're probably going to be greeted well by someone that's glad to see you, and uh, they're glad to see what you're doing and carrying the gospel from house to house. And uh, if you knock on a door where someone is lost, never has trusted Christ, you have the opportunity to present the gospel to them, uh, even if it's just by handing them a gospel tract and inviting them to church. Planting that seed, even as Brother Mike talked about in his soul-winning challenge tonight. Either way, it is not wasted time for us to go out and take the gospel to people. Um, the same really with the preaching of the Bible. You can't preach it to the wrong person. The preaching of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't preach it to the wrong person. We know this, a person can't truly be saved by the grace of God until they hear the gospel. Someone has to tell a sinner about Jesus Christ. Those that have received Christ as their Savior need to hear the gospel again and again and again and again and again. Oh no, absolutely so. No, no, no. No, no. I love hearing the gospel. Take me to the cross. Remind me of my sinful condition that I was in. Remind me of the price that Jesus paid for my soul. It really should stir up every believer when they sing amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Amen. It's good for us to hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ again and again. The preaching of the Bible can uh, be a help to anyone, but it really is good to know the details of someone's life before you start trying to apply the truth of the Bible to that certain individual. I'm not talking about preaching, because preaching can reach a whole room full of people, can't it? No, no, when a pastor stands behind a pulpit, he opens up the Word of God and the power of God begins to preach. And I'm telling you, it's an amazing thing how he can deal with one person over here about something and another person over here about something completely different. And then someone in the middle about something completely different than that, the preaching of the Word of God. But I'm talking as we take the principles of the Word of God and we begin to one-on-one -on -one preach to a certain individual, we have to be careful. And it's good for us to know the details of someone's life before we try to apply the truth of the Word of God to that individual. And that's where Eliphaz makes his mistake in the scripture that we're looking at tonight. Uh, he does some good. He really does some good with what he says here by bringing a couple of things into this conversation that there needed to be all along. He brought a clarity of the gospel. I'm talking about uh, justification by grace because we are saved by grace. 
through faith. Come on, we are, we are saved by grace through faith. We are saved by grace. Well, but that's Old Testament. They were saved by grace. The salvation has always been the same thing. And so he talks about justification by grace. But also, he, talks, he, he brings this to the conversation. Some very real compassion for Job. Finally, 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 after all these speeches, somebody has a little bit of compassion for Job. I mean, somebody, it's kind of twisted, but he does bring some compassion. I think we'll see it by the time we get to the end of that. You know, the things that he brings in here could have changed the course of this whole ongoing debate that's been going on, but that was not the case because Eliphaz would not let go of the idea of sin and suffering having a cause and effect relationship. I said, Eliphaz just would not let go of his idea of sin and suffering have a cause and effect relationship. What are you talking about, preacher? They were, they were absolutely convinced that, that Job was going through everything that he'd gone through because of, of some terrible hidden sin in his life. And he just, Eliphaz just could not let that go. He could not let that go. But we know that that's not true, don't we? Come on, we know it's true. It's not true about Job. Come on, what did God say about Job? He's perfect, upright, skewed, evil. Man, I'm telling you, God had a lot of good things to say about Job. Yes, he was a sinner saved by grace. No, he was not completely perfect and sinless. But I'm telling you, Job was upright in God's eyes at this point, wasn't it? And he wasn't going through the things he was going through because of some wicked sin he had hid in his life. No, 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 friend. He was going through what he was going through as a test of God. Well, preacher, I don't completely know. I don't know if I agree with that. Look, I'm not going to argue with God about what God allowed to happen to Job. There's no sense to argue about that. And I do know this. I know that some of the most godly people that I have known, that we have known in our life, have gone through some terrible, terrible things. I don't understand. I don't understand. Why, Brother Scott Hall is in heaven already. I don't understand. He was quite the man of God. He did a great work over in Africa. He's done a great work right here in the United States. I don't completely understand why they're having to go through what they're going through. Miss Lori, his, his widow now, he, she, she's a precious, precious lady of God. And, and, and I know that they don't have any wicked sin in her life, but she's looking at the possibility of losing her eyesight. I don't completely understand why that's going on. Miss Cindy Metzinger laying up in ICU right now event. I don't completely understand why she's having to go through that cancer. She's been precious, raised in a preacher's home, been a, been a good girl all of her life. Oh no, she's not sinless. She has her own problems. She would tell you that. But I don't understand why she's having to go through this. And I could go on with a long, long list of people that have been very good people and they've yet had to go through, yet they have had to go through some terrible trials in their life. And I don't fully understand it. But I know this, we have to let go of this idea that if somebody's going through something, it's because that they have some terrible sin in their life. And, and Eliphaz could not let that go. And because of that, he wanted Job to give him a response that there was no need for Job to give. He wanted Job to just, just holler out, yes, I'm wicked and I need to repent of these things. He wanted that, but Job had no need to give that response. What Eliphaz says in this chapter is good, and it should get us to thinking. And it brings up some good points, like the limits of our righteousness as human beings, because there are limits there, and, and the beauty of God's character and how he treats us, and, and the truth that he brings to the table, that Eliphaz brings to the table, uh, when kept in its proper context, 
give uh, the love of security and, and the hope to us as believers, like this one. God is too righteous to be indebted to sinners. Come on, don't miss this. I know it's Wednesday night, but don't miss this. God is too righteous to be indebted to sinners. Look at verse number one again. Then Eliphaz, the Temanite, answered, after Job said what he said, Can a man be profitable unto God as he that is wise may be profitable unto himself? Is it any pleasure to the Almighty that thou art righteous? Or is it gain to him that thou makest thy ways perfect? So somewhere along the way, get this, somewhere along the way, it seems that Eliphaz got the idea that Job was saying that God should be impressed because he, because Job, has lived such a good life. No, 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 no. Job never said that, or even in no, but but somewhere along the way, Eliphaz got this idea that Job was saying, God should be impressed of my life. I mean, I've lived such a good life. And in the mind of Eliphaz, Job has suggested that he deserves better from God because he's lived a life that's so much better than other people. No, this is in the mind of Eliphaz. Job hasn't, Job has not implied that. But somewhere along the way, Eliphaz got this idea. So Eliphaz starts off with a principle of justification that we find in Romans chapter 4, verses 3 through 5. I'm going to read that for you. It says, For what saith the Scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward, not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith, his faith is counted for righteousness. <clears throat> Here's the thing. If we, could, if we could earn God's favor by our works, then it would be a matter of debt. Um, God would have to bless us because he owed it to us. Lord, I've been working for you and now you owe me. No, no, if it was that case. But Eliphaz rightly claims that no matter how good our life may be, God's righteousness is much too far above our goodness for God to owe us anything at all. I said, God does not owe us anything at all. I'll say it one more time. God does not owe us anything at all. He owes us nothing. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes from God. Absolutely so. But he does not owe us anything. Look, it's right and it's good to be good. And to do good. But our righteousness, our goodness, adds nothing to God. It doesn't make God any better. Here's the difference. Here's the difference. Men do good, hopefully, but God is good. Men do good as they try to live for God, but God is good. There's a big difference there. God will never be indebted to us for the good that we do because he owes us nothing. He owes us no favor. He owes us no praise. He, he, owes, he, owes, he owes us nothing whatsoever. However, we are totally indebted to God because of his goodness toward us. We're totally indebted to him because of what he does for us. What does he do for us? He lets us breathe. He lets our heart beat, He lets us see, He lets us walk, He lets us talk, 
He lets our body operate. Come on. I'm telling you, everything, every good gift, every perfect gift is from God. No, no, no. And we, we tend not to look at these things as gift, but they all belong to God. The air belongs to God. The sun belongs to God. The earth belongs to God. And everything it produces belongs to God. All those things are gifts from God. I'm telling you, it would do us real good. It would do us real well to get thankful again in this month of thankfulness that we're in right now. We're totally indebted to God because of His goodness toward us. You know, it's really something. People may feel convicted, even threatened, by being around those that are living a goodly li- uh, a godly life. But God never has to make us look bad in order to make Himself look good. Not at all. I said some people might feel convicted, even threatened, by being around those that are living a godly life. You know, it's really something. And I've seen it, and you've seen it, you witnessed it. I mean, you decide that you're going to live for God. You decide that you're going to do what God would have you to do. I mean, you make some real choices in your life that's a change in your life. I mean, it's an outward change. I mean, whatever the case may be, you're, 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 you're working harder to live your life for God. You're giving up some things. You started going, doing some things, all these different things. And people that are around you, even professing Christians at times, um, they can get kind of antsy. Because they're not yet doing those things, and they don't really see any need for you to do those things. And it can make them kind of nervous. And, and, and it can set them off at times to, to the point that they even feel threatened I, 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 the conviction that is there. But I'm telling you, we should never let that slow us down from doing what God wants us to do. Not at all. We just need to keep pressing forward, doing exactly what God would have us to do. You might remember how in Exodus chapter number 1, Pharaoh uh, persecuted the Israelites, and he drove them into slavery because their strength and numbers threatened the Egyptian security. He said, man, oh man, I've got to get these people under control. And so he put them under his thumb in the iron furnace. Or how Herod slaughtered innocent kids. Remember that? How Herod just slaughtered innocent kids trying to kill off the Lord Jesus Christ as a child. Because if Jesus was the king of the Jews, then it was a threat to Herod's kingdom. No, 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 it set him off. But God is not like men in that area. I said, God is not like people in that area. He does not use the power that he has to take down good people because he deems them to be a threat to his kingdom. Nothing is a threat to his kingdom. Nothing. Right. Well, preacher, where are you going with all this? Look, it seems to be a common misconception. No, this is very good. It seems to be a common misconception these days amongst believers that we are earning God's blessings by doing good works. Please get this tonight. There seems to be a common misconception that we are earning God's blessings by doing good works. We do our good works for God, and He repays us with this blessed life. Now, that sounds pretty good. Sounds pretty good. But that's not what is taught in the Bible. In fact, that has probably been the cause of some young people walking away from God when they get old enough to do so. Stay with me on this. 
Because they try and try and try to do good, but they don't seem to get paid with blessing from God. Okay, I'm going to stop here because I I just feel like I need to stop here. It is right to do right. Somebody say amen. No matter what, it's right to do right. It's right to do right when we're being blessed. It's right to do right when we're not being blessed. It's right to do right even when we're under persecution and tests and trials. It is always right to do right. It's always right to do right. I tell you, I'm doing all this stuff for God, and He doesn't seem to be blessing me any whatsoever. He uh, gave you salvation. He let you live another day. Oh, come on. I, okay, I, feel, I, don't want, I didn't want to have to park here, but I feel like I need to park here. Because we have this idea, we have this, this misconception. Well, if I do more work for God, then He's going to bless me more. That is not necessarily the truth. Now, doing good, no, no, no. As we do good... As we do good, we miss out on a lot of the uh, trials that we would go through if we were doing bad. Go ahead and shake your head up and down right there. I guarantee you that's right. So we miss out on some of the uh, we miss out on some of the consequences of sin because we are doing good. Hallelujah! And we can look at that as a blessing, and we can even look at that as a blessing from God because He's the one that directs us to do good. Isn't that right? So it's a wonderful thing. But it doesn't mean that we're storing up, well, if I do more, then I'm going to store up these blessings for God. He's going to pour it out on me one of these days. There's nowhere the Bible teaches that. The Bible does not teach that. It might make for pretty good preaching in some churches somewhere, but the Bible does not preach, it does not teach that. It just doesn't teach it. We're supposed to do right because it's right to do right. Come on, we're supposed to be upright because it is right to be upright. We're supposed to be honest because it's right to be honest. We're supposed to be caring because it's right to be caring. We're supposed to be forgiving because it's right to be forgiving. This list could go on and on. Just go ahead and read Matthew 5, 6, and 7 and all the things it's got in there. We are supposed to live that beatitude life. We are supposed to live that uh, Sermon on the Mount life. We are supposed to live it because it's the right thing to do. Not not because we're expecting some big blessing from God. We're to give of our tithes and offerings because it's the right thing to do. Not because we're expecting God to fill up our mailbox with checks from places. We're to do right because it's right to do right. Just keep doing good because it's right to do good. And I'm telling you, as we do good, we will be blessed because of it. Because when we quit doing the bad, we don't have to suffer the consequences of that anymore. And so we are blessed by God. But it's not like we're racking up all these points with God. Man, I'm racking me up some points with God, and one of these days, he's just, I'm going to hit the jackpot, and man, this is going to be great. Uh, maybe not. No, no, if you're that faithful to God, if you're that faithful to God, no, 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 don't be surprised if you have to go through some test somewhere. Or where do you get that idea? Uh, we're in the book of Job. And he was doing everything good. He was doing everything right. He was doing the things he was supposed to do. And still yet, he had to pay the price that he paid of going through that test and trial, the test that he went through. It's always right to do right. It's always, it's always right to do good. It, no, no, it, it, it will definitely be a blessing to your everyday life. But we're not storing up points from God that with great hopes that if we do enough good, then he's going to bless me, really bless me a whole, whole bunch. 
Well, I didn't even want to go off on this trail. <clears throat> be very careful about telling your be very careful about telling your children. You better be good or God's going to get you. I said, you better be very careful about telling your children you better be good or God's going to get you. You be good and God will bless you. But if you're bad, he's going to get you. Tell me where you find that in Scripture. I'm telling you, I think that, I think that, that, that a lot of our young people got disenchanted through a series, through, through a, a time in the independent fundamental Baptist movement when preaching that was coming across the pulpit wasn't necessarily biblical. That's good preaching. If I am doing it, I guarantee it's true. I've watched it with my, these old, old eyes. Those old, I watched it. And so we have to make sure that we're doing what the Bible says, right? Come on, and, and it's, it's right to do good. It's right to do good. We're, we're, we are going to, be, we're going to be blessed for not doing bad. It's not, but it's not, like we're, it's not like we're adding up a bunch of points that one of these days God's just going to pour out all these blessings on us. I didn't want to stop there very long. I just felt like I, I, needed, to, I needed to clarify that, and I needed to stop there for, for, just, for just a little bit. I, I, I'm telling you, I believe our young people along the way, some have become disenchanted, disenchanted and, that, and that that's the beginning of the end of them. Look, the, the, the good works that we do are pleasing to God and they bring, bring, uh, they bring glory to God, don't they? They bring honor to his name. Absolutely so. Those things are a testimony of our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Our good works, please get this, our good works serve many good purposes, but they do not put God in debt to us. God is not in debt to us. He is not indebted to us. Compared to God's righteousness, our righteousness, our good works are as filthy rags, according to Isaiah 64, 6. So no matter how much good work we may do for God, he will never be indebted to us. God is not going to be indebted to us. He's already done more for, for us if he has saved our soul. He has already done more for us than we ever deserved, for sure. So Eliphaz goes on to say this, God is just, God is just too just to withhold punishment from sinners. And he offers up three arguments about this. Um, the first one is, all men sin, even Job, look at verse number five, is not thy wickedness great? He's talking to Job here. Is not thy wickedness great and, and thy, thine iniquities infinite? So it's not good enough for Eliphaz to simply claim that truth, but he had compiled a list. This is crazy. This is crazy. He had compiled a list of sins that he believed Job was guilty of committing. Boy, what a good friend here, huh? I mean, good friend. And, and he claimed that Job was guilty of greed. Look at verse number 6 there. For thou hast taken a pledge from thy brother for naught, and stripped the naked of their clothing. So he, 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 he said that he believed that, that, that Job had acted like a loan shark, if you will, taking advantage of another brother that was in need so he could increase his own wealth. But not only that, he also said that Job was miserly. That he was miserly. Look at verse number 7. Very clear here. Thou hast not given water to the weary to drink. And thou hast withholden bread from the hungry. 
he, he said, Job, you're so tight that you wouldn't even give someone that was thirsty water. Or you wouldn't even give somebody that was hungry bread. I mean, boy, he's coming down on him, man. He, he is, I mean, he said, I've been, I've been writing down your sins, Job. And even, he even marked him as merciless. Look at verse number 8. But as for the mighty man, he had the earth, and the honorable man dwelt in it. Thou hast sent widows, verse 9, thou hast sent widows away empty, and the arms of the fatherless have been, have, have been broken. It, it was one thing, he said, it's one thing to refuse, uh, it's one thing to refuse help uh, to a man that was strong enough to tough it out, Job. But come on, man. I mean, it's completely cruel when you refuse to help, refuse to help orphans and widows. And what else I got on my list here, Job? Now, we don't know if Eliphaz was misjudging Job for the way that some things had seemed to go in his own sight. <clears throat> or maybe he had been listening to uh, gossip about Job and the things that people said about him. You know, isn't it amazing how when somebody is really doing good that there's always somebody who wants to talk bad about them? But he made his point. And his point basically was there's not one person on this earth that is so good that they never sin. Which is true. We love 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But let's, let's memorize verse number 8 as well. Because it says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. So all of us, is, uh, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And, 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 and be sure of this. You cannot hide your sins from God. You can't hide your sins from God. <clears throat> Look at verse number 10 there. Therefore snares are round about thee, and sudden fear troubleth thee, or darkness that thou canst not see, and abundance of waters cover thee. Is not God in the height of heaven? And behold the height of the stars, how high are they? And thou sayest, how doth God know? He can judge through the dark cloud. Look, God is not locked up in the confines of this earth. No, 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 no. And, and his sight is not limited to see only that which men can see. God is still upon his throne in heaven, and he sees and hears everything. And we may be able to hide what we do, uh, 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 what we, uh, what we uh, don't want others to see in our lives, but we cannot hide anything from God. It's not going to happen. God is not so busy with all that he has to take care of day after day after day that he does not take note of what we, were, we, what we are doing as individuals. He takes note of us. God did see everything that went on in Job's life. I'll say it again. God did see everything that went on in Job's life. In, in that, Eliphaz was right. But here's the question. Did God see anything in Job's life that would have invited God's judgment? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God, right? Job was just a sinner saved by grace, wasn't he? And Eliphaz was right. Job, God is watching you, and he's, he has seen everything. Okay, but did God see anything that would have invited his judgment? 
Because from what we can see from Job chapter number 1, it wasn't there. It wasn't there. In this world in which we live, there is a moral law at work. A moral law. A law that ensures that the righteous are rewarded and the wicked are punished. There's a moral law that goes on. Come on, it's what I was talking about earlier. That as we're doing right, things are going to go much better for us. And as we do wrong, there are consequences to pay for that. I'm just talking about a normal moral law that's on the face of the earth. It's just a fact, isn't it? Come on, for anybody. Well, preacher, you know, these people out there, they're doing all this wickedness and still they're making all this money and doing all those things. Yeah, I read about those people. They've been married four or five or six or ten times. I mean, they've got bad drug problems, alcohol problems. They're messed up in all types of things that they may never get out of. No, no, no. I've read about all of that. They're paying the consequences of doing wrong. There's a moral law there. And, 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 and he talks about it. Verse number 15, Has thou marked the old way which wicked men have trodden? So, so Eliphaz gives Job three things to think about. He says, Job's, uh, Job, consider where the path that you are on is taking you. Consider that. Verse 16 said, talks about the, It talks about the uh, old way which wicked men have trodden, verse 16, which are cut down out of time, whose uh, foundation was overflown with with a flood. Think about the road that you're on. Are you on a good road, good road, Job? Uh, Think about the end of those people's lives that, think about the end of those people's lives that shut God out. And he talks about how God is good to all. But don't forget to consider who gets the last laugh. Is it the righteous or is it the wicked? Well, we know the end of the book, don't we? And it's not the wicked. Not at all. Now get this. Eliphaz begins to tell Job that he has not been punished Eliphaz begins to tell Job that he, Eliphaz, has not been punished because he's rejected the counsel of the wicked. Job, if you could just be a good fellow like me. No, no, look at verse number 18. Verse 17, which said unto God, depart from us, and what can the Almighty do for them? Yet he filled their houses with good things, but the counsel of the wicked is far from me. The righteous see it, and are glad, and the innocent laugh them to scorn, whereas our substance is not cut down, but the remnant of them, uh, of them the fire consumeth. He, he says, he says uh, that God has been good to bless both the righteous and the wicked with good things. And that's true. God reigns on the unjust and the unjust, right? But he goes on to say that God had not cursed him, Eliphaz, not cursed him, and taken away all that he has, as he had presumably done to Job. Look at me, Job. I'm a good guy. I'm not going through all this stuff. So he implies that since Job had lost most most everything that he had, the counsel of the wicked 
must have a place in Job's heart that it did not have in his own heart. Oh, Job, that wicked counsel in your heart that is not mine. So Eliphaz has confronted Job with two things here. First, that Job is not so upright that he always does good. Now, let me confess, you'll be so shocked. I don't always do good. Is there anybody in here that can stand up and say they do? Makes me feel better, amen. Second, if God has found something in Job's life that was the cause of this judgment, then the thing to do is make things right with God. What Eliphaz is trying to get across here. So there was one more thing that... uh, Eliphaz thought that Job needed to remember, which is a very good point, which is this, God in his mercy will not reject a repentant sinner. Oh, no, no, that's a good one. I see God in his mercy will not reject a repentant sinner. Now, to the end of the speech, Eliphaz makes this threefold appeal to Job. Look at verse number 21. It says, Acquaint now thyself with him, talking about God, and be at peace. Therefore, good shall come unto thee. So he says, You need to turn back to God. And Job, if you'll turn back to God, you'll, you'll find the peace for which you've been looking, which is, which is definitely right, isn't it? But then he goes on to say this Good things will begin to happen in your life, Job, if you only will turn back to God. And then he says this, open your ears to listen to God again, Job, verse 22. Receive, I pray thee, the law from his mouth, from God's mouth, and lay up his words, God's words, in thine heart. He tells Job, quit rejecting God's law. You need to receive his law, and don't allow his word to go in one ear and out the other. Take it to heart and let it change your life. Now, hold on. Look up here. Look up here for a minute. Come on, we're doing, we're, doing, we're doing really good. The advice that he just gave him was good advice, wasn't it? No, I mean, the advice itself was good. It was as biblical as it can be. I, I mean, truly. It was, it was truth. If, you, if you're away from God, if you're, if you're in some sin, turn back to God. Come on, in the peace of God which passeth all understanding... It'll help you, won't it? Absolutely. No, 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 no. And if we open our ears to hear God's Word, and we receive it, and we apply it to our life, it will change our life, won't it? No, no, absolutely. No, he's, 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 stay with me here. And so he's telling him this. He said, repent. And forsake your sin. That's good preaching. Definitely. And he says this in essence. That will make it possible for God to bless you once again. Which uh, if Job was 
in wickedness? That's absolutely the truth, isn't it? True. Verse number 24. Um, let me see. Verse number 23. If thou return to the Almighty, thou shalt be built up. Thou shalt put away iniquity far from thy tabernacles. Repent, Job. Then shalt thou lay up gold as dust, and the gold of Ophir as stones of the brook. So he says this, uh, verse 25, Yea, the Almighty shall be thy defense, and thou shalt have plenty of silver. So he tells him this, Job, if you'll just repent, come on. He's being a prosperity preacher here. If you'll just repent, forsake your sin, God's going to fill up your bank account. No, it's what he told him right there. What he told him. A little bit off there, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Look, look at it. He also told him this. Verse 26. For then shalt thou have the delight of the Almighty, and shall lift up thy face unto God. Thou shalt make thy prayer unto him, and he shall hear thee, and thou shalt pay thy vows. Um, he said, Job, if you'll just get right with God. Was Job right with God? Yes, it's not a trick question. Yes, he was. He said, if, 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 if you'll just get right with God, then, then God's going to answer your prayers. He's going to answer your prayers. You'll be able to pray with him. He's going to answer your prayers. It's going to be good. It's going to also be good. And then he says this. Look at verse number 28. Come on, we're right, almost at the end of the chapter. He said, Thou shalt also decree a thing, and it shall be established unto thee, and the light shall shine upon thy ways. So he says this, God's going to bless you financially. Man, he's going to pour out answers of prayer to you. And there's going to be success in your plans. Now hold on, hold on, look up here. Look up here. Stay with me here, stay with me. I'm, I'm going to ask you again. Was Job right with God? Yes, Job, Job was right with God. <clears throat> was he being blessed financially? Oh, no. Everything he had is pretty much gone. Was he getting answer to prayer? Uh, no. Heaven was silent. Are y'all with me here? Heaven was silent at the time. Come on. I, I mean, I mean there, there comes a time where Job says, man, I look, I look all over the place and I can't find God. Remember, he's right with God. He's not being blessed. He's not getting uh, financially. He's not getting answer to prayer. Um, it's, um, it's, it's not his plan to go through what he was going through, is it? No, no, no. Eliphaz says, man, if you'll just get right with God, there'll be success in your plans. You know what I found out? It's not all about my plans. It's all about his plans. And the more that I'm, con the more that I, uh, the more that I try to be in His plan, the better things work out, and the easier it makes it to go through times of uh, the valley, the dryness, the drought, um, the storms, when I know that I am part of His plan. But then He goes on. Look at verse number twenty-nine. Come on, we're almost done here. Verse number 29, when men are cast down, then, shalt thou, uh, then thou shalt say, there is lifting up and he shall save the humble person. He shall deliver the island of the innocent and, and, it, and it is delivered by the pureness of thine hands. So he says, if you'll repent and forsake your sin, Job, 
God's going to bless you financially. He's going to answer your prayers. He's going to give you success in all the plans you have for your life. And he's going to give you a new purpose in life, Job. I mean, that of letting people know that there's hope in God. Now, as we read through this, this, this particular chapter, I think you would agree, it really does seem as though Eliphaz was being very sincere. Sincere. No, no, the things that he's saying, to an extent, are truth, aren't they? Oh yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, yeah. At this juncture, to me, he seems to have a desire to uh, help Job. It really seems as though the Early criticisms have been replaced by some compassion here. And this talk could have been very helpful to Job. Stay with me. Come on. We're going to make some application here. This talk could have been very helpful to Job if, if Eliphaz would have remembered some important truths. Three of them. Number one, don't assume you know everything because you don't. You don't. You cannot look at somebody's life and the way that it's going to any great extent and know for sure what's going on in their life. Don't assume you know everything because you don't. Number two, if you tend, if you tend to keep a list of other people's sins, stop it. Stop it. You're not the judge. Stop it. Look, look, it will cause you to have a critical, judgmental, pharisaical spirit to be focused on, stay with me here, come on, to be focusing on other people's sins, to keep a list of other people's sins. No, 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 you've got enough, you've got enough just trying to take care of yourself. Somebody say amen. It's a fact. It'll cause you to have a critical, judgmental, pharisaical spirit it disregards, no, no, keeping a list of other people's sins, it disregards the principle of biblical forgiveness. We are supposed to forgive. You have been reading your Bible, right? We are supposed to forgive. But also, it avoids the obligation of making wrongs right. And helping others to grow. Well, I've got so many problems. (laughs) But, but, But I found as I tried to apply Bible principle and live Bible principle, God helps me. And when I've done someone wrong, I've tried along the way in my life and the years... 
I've tried to go back and make that thing right. I've, I've, I've done my best and continue to do so of trying not to have any unforgiveness in my heart. Lord, search me. If I've done somebody wrong, show me so that I can take care of that. If I have any unforgiveness in my heart toward anybody, please let me know about that so that I can make that right. I'm telling you, there's some, there's some principle here that, that we need to be aware of. Because how are we going to ever help other people to grow if we're not growing? If we're not living a Christian life. Did Eliphaz have the truth? Yes. Did he apply it correctly? No, he had already decided to be Job's judge. And he wasn't trying to... uh, I think there was some compassion here. But he addressed it all wrong. And number three, misapplied truth is still truth. Come on, here's, here's the point. Misapplied truth is still truth, but it is truth that is robbed of the good that it may have accomplished. I'll tell you one of my least favorite things to do as a pastor. is to confront sin. I don't like it when that job rolls around. And I'm not talking about, I'm going to tell you, no, no, no. I'm just talking about going to someone because some sin's been exposed and to sit down with them and say, listen, I know this is going on. What, what can we do here? How can we help this? Preacher, do you confront sin that's in the church? I, if I know about it, absolutely. It's one of, my, one of my responsibilities. Well, I tell you, you must not do it a whole lot. Why do you say that? Well, we've not seen a lot of it. That doesn't mean anything. No, I'll say it again. That, that doesn't mean anything. That does not mean that sin has not been confronted right here at Riverside Baptist Church. That does not mean that I've had some very, very serious confrontations in my office or people's houses. That doesn't mean that I've helped somebody through some horrible sin in their life that they might be restored and continue to serve God along the way because that is the biblical way of handling things. If you blast people out of the water... How are, you, how are you ever going to have them there to help them along the way? I think we have to be very, very careful of taking the truth that we learn from the Bible and using it in a way 
that it should not be used. Of having a spirit, the spirit that uh, we're going to fix somebody. Is it right for us to exhort one another? Yes. Yeah. As long as we're loving one another. Are there things that need to be taken care of along the way? Yes. Yes. And I'm learning as we do it in the right manner that we see God glorified. And we see people get help and encouragement. We see people brought along for the glory of God. And here, it's very, it's so evident to us because we know that Job had no need to repent of sin because it was not sin that had caused what he's going through at the time. What Job needed to do was to rest excuse me, to rest in God's righteous justice and mercy and wait for God's plan to be accomplished. I think that's what he had purposed to do until his friends showed up. His friends showed up. I'm glad I have a friend that sticks closer than a brother. The Lord Jesus Christ is always there for us. And He'll never discourage us. He always just encourages us to get up, go on, do the things that He'd have us to do. You know, it's a pretty good mindset for the people of God too. That we wouldn't want to be a discouragement to anybody, but that we would do our best to encourage people to live their life for God. To not think, no, 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 I'm, I'm done. To not think that we're any better than anybody else just because we've done good works for God. That we're going to be determined to use the truth of the Bible the way that it should be used. To let God be God. And uh, to not run around and try to figure out why everybody's going through what they're going through. Maybe it'd be good if we just decided that we'd reach out and try to help someone that's going through what they're going through. Preacher, don't you think sin needs to be confronted? Yes. In God's time. And in God's way. Yes. Yes. that may not necessarily be your job. It may be good for us as believers just to pray, Lord, how can I help someone to just draw closer to You? No matter what they might be going through. That old Bible can seem pretty harsh, can it? Got some hard truths in there, doesn't it? 
I've been called a Bible thumper a lot. I don't want it to ever be said of Bill Marshall, hopefully it won't, that he tried to beat people to death with the Bible. I don't think that's why God gave it to us. Well, I tell you what, you preach some pretty hard. It's the book. It's the book. It's just my job to tell people what it says. Their responsibility to follow. I'll help them every bit I can. But I want to do it in the right spirit and right attitude. Truth is truth even when it's misapplied. But when it's misapplied, it can cause more damage than it can help. We just need to make sure we're doing things God's way. Thanks for being patient. Let's stand. Let's stand. Heavenly Father, take your word. Use it. Help us. Lord, we want to be close to you. and We want to be used by you. I'm talking about our church. We have a wonderful group of people here. And we want to be close to you. And we want to be used by you. Help us to have the right spirit. Right mannerisms. Help us to take this Bible and use it the way you intended for us to. Help us to make sure that before we open our mouth, Lord, that the right things are going to come out of it. I pray you'd bless Invitation time is only you can. We trust you will and ask these things in Jesus' name. Piano's going to play. Altar's already open. Some already prayed.